This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. All right, round two. Here we go. But that first game is always hard, especially when they have a change like that. There'll be some things that are, are unknown to us uh, that we'll have to adjust to, that we'll have to kind of you know, cover on the fly. But you know, fall camp is for a lot of different defenses and looks and things that you're going to get through the year. So we'll have gotten some good work on things, but there is it's definitely the unknown that's tough in the first game. We know that uh, the, the offensive coordinator has uh, a pretty extensive background. 2013, we played him when he was the offensive coordinator for Sarkeesian at, uh, at Washington. We've watched Kansas film when he was a coordinator at Kansas. And uh, we've watched even Alabama film uh, because I know he and Kiffin were, were, were very close as well. So, well, there's no question. I mean, you know, we got to set the tone, and we've talked about that for a long time. You know, being a physical run team. So, Saturday's the test. And here we are. It's the opening game weekend of college football as Nebraska will play Fresno State Saturday night here in Lincoln at seven o'clock. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, Robin Washett here as we kick off our regular season edition of the Husker online show. And guys, um, you, you heard the coaches there. I don't care who you are, a, a season opener, you could be playing South Alabama, McNeese State, anybody. Uh, there's just that sense of the unknown. And I think when you look at this game, um, Nate and Robin, um, it, just not knowing what Fresno State's going to come at them with offensively and defensively, that's where guys like Mark Banker and Danny Langsdorf probably haven't got much sleep, Robin, this month. Well, the good news is they at least have somewhat of an idea. I mean, with defensively, uh, Danny Langsdorf mentioned that, you know, under Tim DeRuiter, he's a defensive-minded coach. So their scheme probably isn't going to differ that much uh, from what they've shown in previous years. I'm obviously probably going to be some new wrinkles, but they at least have a, a base of what they're going to see. And, you know, what that is, it's a 3-4 scheme with about – 10,000 different blitz looks with linebackers and defensive backs and all sorts of moving and shifting and, and twisty stuff, as Nate likes to say. Twisty things. Yeah, twisty things. <laughs> uh, so they're, they're going to get a lot of that. And offensively, you expect a high-tempo offense with lots of four, three and four wide receiver sets, uh, really push uh, the pace and, and try and you know, get Nebraska's secondary confused and hit some big plays. So they at least have a, a general idea. But like you said, Sean, there's going to be wrinkles they're not ex expecting. And maybe even more so, you got to know what your team is going to do and when, how they respond in their first game under the lights. I think blitz pickup is something that you mentioned that's that's huge, and that's they've been working on that all all fall camp mm -hmm. is is protection and protecting the quarterback and and um, and you know running backs with the pass protection, offensive line and, and blitz pickup. So um, they're definitely planning on that. But with so many with Fresno State having so many new parts, DeRuiter kind of gutted that staff last year. It's going to be interesting to see just how different uh, this team looks uh, compared to what they were last year. And this is not the Fresno no state you know we grew up watching you know maybe in our college days the anytime any place pat hill team that yeah. you know beat oregon wisconsin and you know that was one year they beat like three power in colorado they beat like three power five teams that was when uh david carr was the quarterback right and his brother Derek. i get him confused. no Derek. Derek. Derek was, was the yeah. car david but nebraska played um david carr no, they played uh, Derek. Derek Carr. Right <laughs> the end of the show. Yeah, Derek but, almost came in here and beat him. And, and that, yeah, it's not even close to that. I mean, this is a Fresno team, guys, that went three and nine last year. They were smoked by Old Miss. They were smoked by BYU. The Mountain West is really kind of a shell of what it used to be. I mean, they were three and twenty-one against Power Five opponents this past season. Um, you know, with San Diego State and Boise, I think being their premier programs this year, but. 
this is a team that's definitely not the Fresno that was in here a few years back when Amir Abdullah's kick return had to win that game for Nebraska. When you definitely sense that, Sean, I remember when I did our, uh, you know, spring recap, opponent spring recap, and talked to a Fresno State beat writer, and I know you recently talked to one for your matchup watch this week. Nobody has any confidence around this team. Uh, I mean, there's a reason Fresno State's a 28-and-a-half-point underdog. Uh, and you know, historically speaking, in the past few years, uh, when they play, you know, Power 5, you know, top-level opponents, they, they fall well short of expectations. And so I think that, um, you know, not only for the season outlook is pretty bleak uh, for this team, but, you know, especially in this game, uh, you know, of this magnitude, you know, going into an environment of Memorial Stadium, uh, this, the bar is set pretty low. And I think if they are kind of – most people are expecting a Fresno State can keep this thing within the spread, uh, that'll be a victory in itself. But, again, Nebraska can't go in there with a bad mentality because if they, you know, try and go through the most – motions Fresno State is more than cable they have the athletes to, to do some damage well I think that's the key is is for Nebraska to, to worry about executing what they need to execute uh, first and foremost obviously Fresno State I think DeRuiter's on the hot seat after he gutted most of his staff last year uh, they've kind of had a revolving door at the quarterback position which is is never something that you want to see um, out of your program but for Nebraska I think the keys uh, definitely to for them to execute go out there and, and uh, perform to and do what they know that they can do you're listening here to the Husker online show we're gonna have a a big show here on tap today uh particularly about recruiting later on as it will be the biggest recruiting weekend nebraska's ever had but one of the other storylines this week we wanted to address out of the gates is keith williams made his return uh into the offices at nebraska and coaching here on thursday september 1st and you know that's it's big for this week particularly uh i think it's going to be a boost guys for for what he brings you know and he actually coached at fresno his son kian played at fresno um, so he does bring some knowledge of, of what they do, and um, but he'll be at practices. He just can't be at the games. And, Nate, I think the other important wrinkle that Mike Riley really didn't want to talk too much in depth about, but Keith Williams will have some involvement still on the recruiting weekends. Yeah, Keith Williams cannot be at the game, but you, you guarantee you that he's going to be involved on the, in the recruiting weekends, going to be around the offices, be around these recruits uh, leading up to the game and most definitely afterwards and then on Sunday when they do a lot of their meetings and things of that nature. So, uh, and, that's, and that's huge because he's arguably the best recruiter that they have on the staff. He has a ton of connections. He's bringing a ton of talent in, and you cannot afford to, to lose a guy like that completely uh, you know, to, in the recruiting aspect of things. So I think that's, that's big, but yeah, you're right. Mike Riley hasn't really wanted to uh, necessarily publicize that, that Keith Williams will be involved uh, with recruiting um, just he just won't be involved with anything during the actual you know game time I guess from kickoff until till whenever the 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 game is over with he he won't be involved with anything but uh, he'll have his hands with the, with the recruiting for sure. Robin, what I'm going to be interested in seeing with Keith Williams is is just kind of how he returns. You know, he's obviously not been on social media since the suspension. Um, does he just come back full Keith Williams mode, Energizer Bunny? Or is it going to be kind of a toned-down version of the guy we know? I I lean to believe that he'll just be himself again because that's who the guy is. Well, if you check Twitter on Thursday morning, he was right back at it. He posted a picture of a gorilla in a top hat with the whiteouts (laughs) hashtag. Uh, He posted a long, uh, you know, it it was a kind of a humbled thing because he puts us this long kind of a picture of a a note that he wrote. Um, You know, probably Nate probably summarize it better than I was, but anyway, uh, he's he's going to be himself, and that Nebraska 
wants him to be himself. That's one of their biggest assets is his personality and not only the way that he's able to coach, but the way he's able to connect with players. And so they don't want him to just be some guy that, you know, kind of sticks in the shadows because that's not him. And he's not going to be the same coach. He's not going to be as effective as he has been if he tries to be, you know, something that he's not. And so uh, based off, you know, day one of his first return, uh, he seems to be the same old Keith. And uh, I think that's a good thing for Nebraska. And as we wrap it up here, the other interesting thing is uh, with the move on the staff, Mike Cavanaugh and Danny Langsdorf will be in the coach's box coaching for the, you know, week one. That means without Keith Williams, these first four games, the Huskers will have just one full-time assistant offensive coach on the sidelines. That's running backs coach Reggie Davis. Now there'll be a number of graduate assistants and guys like Tavita Thompson and, um, you know, that have the, the, the respect of the staff. But still an interesting uh, dynamic uh, with that few of coaches from the offensive staff on the sidelines. When we come back, we'll talk more offense. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Honestly, in, in my opinion, I think captains are chosen. You know, leaders are born. You know, day one, I, I've, I've known I've, I've always been a leader here. I'm going to still continue to do what I'm doing, uh, leading this team the right way. I knew it was going to be hard. A guy like Tommy got lots of votes, but every team has a little different dynamic. It's not unprecedented here. Tommy Frazier, quarterback, national championship team, I don't think he was a captain at that time. Scott Frost was not a captain at that time. This is, Tommy is a leader. He's going to, he's a quarterback. Everybody respects him. So, you know, I think that it was just very, very hard. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Wash at Nate Klaus, head coach Mike Riley, and quarterback Tommy Armstrong talking about a discussion that really took up a lot of airtime earlier in the week about Tommy Armstrong not being voted a captain. And um, it is unique. I mean, he was a captain a year ago. Um, he is going into his fourth year as a starter. He's going to have a lot of records, if not all the quarterback records, when his time is done here at Nebraska. But uh, I think what needs to be said is the process was different this year. It was strictly player vote, where a year ago there was some coaching interjection from Mike Riley on that captain selection. Uh, this year, players were only allowed to vote for one offensive and one defensive player. No newcomers were allowed to vote. Um, so it was a very unique captain choice of a process. And if you can just put one name down, um, I, I think that that's that's what made it unique. Now, if you could have voted like two or three, I think Tommy is a captain on offense. But um, it, it was different, and I think it caused a lot of chatter this week, Robin. Yeah, I mean, certainly surprising. But like Mike Riley mentioned, not unprecedented. And he also, you know, in the press conference on Monday mentioned that Tommy did get a lot of votes so it wasn't like he was completely shut out of the voting and for Tommy's part I thought that he handled that as about as well as you could I mean standing up there and, and saying what he did you know that leaders are you know born they're not chosen whatever he said I thought that was the right way to do it because he still showed that he has confidence he still views himself as a leader and that's what you want out of a fourth year starting quarterback to, to have that type of confidence and self-assurance regardless of you know what a captain vote ended up as yeah, I, I think everyone handled it extremely well. Mike Riley handled it well by doing a little research, making sure that he knew that guys like Tommy Frazier and Scott Frost hadn't been captains uh, when they won national championships. Uh, obviously, Tommy Armstrong handled himself well with 
how he uh, with what he said at, at the press conference and um, you know and it is a little bit different I mean, obviously we're the media we're going to talk about something like that because uh, it's a it hot is, button yeah it's a hot button and um, and this has kind of happened before this was a, a huge topic of discussion with with Michigan State and Connor Cook when when he wasn't a captain and everything but I tell you what I, I like how how both uh, Riley and Armstrong handled it and and I think it I don't think it's as big a deal as as some people have kind of made it out to be you're listening here to the husker online show this segment is brought to you by tanner sports bar and grill with five locations in omaha and two in lincoln the second location in lincoln uh, not yet open but uh, they have taken over the old grandmothers on 70th and a street so uh, lots of gr- uh, it's a great bar to go watch your your football get some wings uh, also check out their newest location in omaha on 90th street between fort and maple as they have now taken over the former arena sports bar and grill at your place to watch both college football and NFL football. That's Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. And as we shift over, guys, to uh, more offensive storylines um, w- with this game coming up, I-, I think the biggest thing for me, Robin, is they want to establish that physical identity uh, week one. And, you know, we saw it in the bowl game. And, you know, I'm a little bit more realistic. I think there's this Husker fan that wants to see that UCLA game every week and, they're not going to run for 400 yards mm-hmm. every week. Yeah, and, and okay, so look at Fresno State. You know, obviously there's a lot of questions about what they're going to do defensively, but here's what we do know. They run a 3-4 scheme, and they're going to blitz the kitchen sink, throw at basically every type of blitz look you possibly can at Nebraska's offense. So how do you counter that? You run right at him and punch him in the face. So both Danny Langsdorf and Mike Cavanaugh said that the number one goal for this offense is to establish a physical tone from the opening snap and really just kind of power their way right at Fresno State. And so run the ball guy is going to probably be very, very happy with the results of the uh, the play calling we're going to see on Saturday. Well, Mike Cavanaugh has been talking about wanting to have a physical uh, offensive line ever since he was hired here. That's that's he's recruited that way. He's recruited big, tough kids and that have an edge and, and play with a little nastiness to their game. And uh, so, yeah, most definitely that's something we're going to see. And uh, I'm interested to see, you know, how some of those new faces up there really step up to that challenge of, of being uh, kind of nasty. A guy like David Neville, you know, who who isn't known as necessarily as being a, a nasty player. Um, obviously, you've got a, a couple new faces there at, at that left guard spot after Gerald Foster went down, and um, you know, so uh, yeah, the offensive line. I, I think they're going to have to to kind of bring that lunch pail and, and get after it on Saturday. You know what's what's astounding, Nate, about this offensive line situation is when you look at our scholarship distribution chart on Husker Online and your junior and senior eligibility. Nebraska really only has two guys of quality. I guess Corey Whitaker would be in there too, but your two seniors are Corey Whitaker and Dylan Utter, a former walk-on in Utter, who's now a captain and has turned into a great player, and then Whitaker, who has been riddled by injuries. In the junior class, all you have is David Neville that will contribute at Nebraska. And I think that lies the issue right now with this offensive line. Great teams in this league have a plethora of junior and senior linemen. Nebraska does not have that. No, they don't have it. You could point to the the defensive line too. I mean, that is that's two major areas on your team where, for whatever reason, uh, the previous staff just struggled to recruit, or they just had bad luck with some of the guys that came in and and uh, never never really materialized or anything. So, uh, yeah, that's they got some young talent there, but those upperclassmen uh, just really aren't to be found. Yeah, and I'm no recruiting expert by any means when it comes to football, but I've seen a lot of football games and especially Big Ten football games. And if you don't have veteran 
players with experience on both sides of the line of scrimmage, it's going to be hard for you to win. And that probably has a lot to do with why a lot of people are overlooking Nebraska right now because two of their biggest question marks are in the trenches. So that, that's kind of one of the big things they need to prove this season is, is can they hold up uh, on the line of scrimmage. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as this segment's brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with seven locations in Omaha and Lincoln. And as, as we shift over uh, on offense here to running back, uh, we know Divino Zigbo and we know Terrell Newby are going to play, but I think all of us are curious about Trey Bryant and, and what he brings to the table. I thought, Robin, it was quite a statement by the staff to put him outright number three ahead of Mikel Wilbon, knowing what type of guy Mikel Wilbon is. And, I, you mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of sensitivity with guys on depth chart things, and they did not hold back. I mean, they said... Trey Bryant is our guy ahead of Mikael Wilbon right now. Yeah, I don't know if it was a message they're trying to send to Mikael. I mean, obviously he went through his share of issues last year, uh, hardly seeing the field. Uh, but you also got to credit Trey Bryant. I mean, he's made waves since his very first practice and has continued to impress on a daily basis. And he's earned this. I mean, this isn't something where they're just throwing him out there just to, you know, generate some attention. I mean, this guy is a baller. And we've seen it in the scrimmage situations. He's more than held his own, getting reps with the first team offense. And I don't know what his workload is going to be against Fresno State. Um, you know, Danny Langsdorf said himself they don't want to overload him too early, but he's going to have some plays. They're going to have some, you know, specialties package situations where they're going to get him involved in the offense. And uh, man, having having a guy like that coming up through the ranks yeah, it makes you feel really good about the future of the running back position. And I don't know how much separation there are, you know, between from one to four, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but the one thing is about Trey Bryant, in my opinion, is the fact that he's a, a fairly complete back, especially for being as young as he is we've seen him run physical between the tackles we've seen him with the speed on the on the edge and uh and he's a guy that can catch the ball and pass protect so he he's one of those few guys out of that group of players that I think can can give you quite a bit in all phases of the game and everything that they ask out of that position yeah I like how the staff too just didn't do a bunch of oars on a depth chart I always thought that was the easy way out Mm -hmm. Um, the safe play because Let's be honest, those ores on their depth charts don't exist. Uh, but I think a lot, a lot of it is with our, you know, everybody gets a ribbon society. They try to keep guys happy. They didn't do that on this depth chart. There were really, really I don't know if there were really any ores at all. Uh, so it, it was interesting to see uh, how that came apart. Well, when we come back, we're going to shift over to defense. The black shirts were handed out a total of 13. One was noticeably missing, though. We'll talk about that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, the addition this year was the fact that we had uh, John Perler, a former uh, black shirt, and I uh, had him come up in front of the group and uh, tell uh, the group from a player's perspective, which was awesome, uh, as far as uh, you know what it meant, uh, you know, from a standpoint, again, from a player's perspective, and uh, you know, it's one of the longest traditions in football. I mean, it's it's something that uh, that means a lot to our team, means a lot to the guys that played before, and it'll mean a lot to the guys that are going to play here uh, next year and the years after. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, as we move on to defensive storylines, and really the big one for Nebraska this week as. They get ready for Fresno State was they handed out the black shirts. And you heard Mark Banker and John Perella there talking about that. And um, I thought this was a really good idea. I mean, almost what I would call a no-brainer. John Perella, a former black shirt uh, himself that played for Charlie McBride, um, addressed the players, addressed the team on the tradition, on the importance of the black shirts. 
And, you know, Perella did not want to go into depth about that. That's the kind of guy he is. He's very much not about himself. But, you know, it was cool to hear a lot of other players, Robin, talk about just what that meant to have Perella kind of get up front and address the team. And it's a, a unique perspective. I mean, there's no one else on that staff that has any idea what it's like to be a black shirt. And John Perella does. I mean, he was an all big eight, you know, 12 year NFL veteran. And uh, he's been there. He's been in their shoes. He's done it. And he knows exactly, you know, not only what it means you know, on the field, but to, to be a black shirt off the field. And I thought that was a really cool idea by the staff to have him get up front and really kind of just give a lesson uh, on all that it entails uh, of being a black shirt. And, uh, you know, when he speaks, these players listen. We've seen that with the way he's related to the defensive line group already in just the past few months. And, um, you know, the, he carries a lot of weight within that locker room. And so it was a really cool and a really neat idea uh, to have him kind of be the face uh, for, for this newest crop of black shirts. Well, and the thing that really stood out to me was talking with Mick Stoltenberg. He said, you know, this Mick's an in-state kid. He knows about their tradition, and he's dreamt of being a black shirt himself um, ever since he started playing football. But he said, I thought I knew what it meant to be a black shirt, but after, but I had no idea. Uh, but I do now after listening to, to Coach Perella uh, talk about what it means and, and about the bro- the brotherhood of being a black shirt and, and really the the philosophy behind, behind you know, you know, the, the way you think and, and do everything as a black shirt. So uh, I thought that was really cool to hear. And, and um, you know, I would have loved to be and to have been a fly on the oh, wall no for doubt. that speech, no doubt. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk defensive storylines. And there were 13 total handed out, four on the defensive line, five at linebacker, four in the secondary. Uh, but noticeably missing from that group was Kyron Williams, who's listed as a number one starter in the secondary, so it, it, it was interesting uh, that he did not receive a black shirt, but clearly there was some disciplinary reasons, Robin, or something that prevented that from happening. Yeah, and whatever whatever it is, I don't think he's that far away from getting that. You know, I asked Mark Banker specifically about why Kyron didn't get one, and he said, you know, he, he's got some things that he needs to still prove both on the field and off, and so obviously that probably kind of goes to your point that it's probably something beyond just you know on the field. But he also mentioned that he was one of about five uh, you know, defensive players that were right on the brink of potentially earning a black shirt. So I wouldn't be surprised if that number of black shirts you know, ends at 13. There may be a couple more added by the end of the season, uh, depending on if they're able to you know, carry uh, or do the, do the necessary things you know, once the season gets going to kind of prove they, they've earned it. Well, I like the fact that they've only given out 13. Um, I, you want to see it as close to 11 as possible. I, yeah. I don't think you want to see the 17 or 18 we saw a few years ago because then it just waters down the accomplishment, in my opinion. Um, goes back to what I've talked previously, the YMCA, everybody gets a ribbon concept here. Uh, but y- you look, Nate, the defensive line in this game, that to me is the most intriguing thing with this defense. Can they effectively get pressure on a quarterback? How will Nebraska find ways to get pressure? And, and you know, how will John Perella rotate this group in there? I mean, those are all things I want to know here going into Saturday. Yeah, I think everyone's going to be paying attention to that defensive line. We've been talking about it since last season is, uh, you know, the lack of a pass rush and who's going to emerge as that, that guy that can give Nebraska a consistent pass rush and get after the quarterback and, and be a guy that an offense has to be aware of at all times, especially in a third and long situation. So uh, that and, and, and like you said, the, the rotation there, especially at that defensive tackle position is going to be important uh, you know it's it's going to be um, a hot game I, I 
Coach Perella is all gas, no brakes. So he wants these guys going at full tilt all the time. And, and so I think we're going to see quite a few guys rotating in and out there and keep those guys fresh. And I think one thing that's for sure is they're not just going to rely on that defensive line to create pressure. Um, and you're going to, with the fact that they're going to be in the nickel and dime a lot against Fresno State spread offense, that means they got to find different ways because there's going to be times where they're going to have three defensive linemen on the field. And so uh, they got to find different ways to create pressure. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of linebackers, you know, maybe disguising blitz looks where you have two, three, maybe even four uh, linebackers and defensive backs up at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, depending on what the call is, you know, some will drop back into coverage and some will come after in blitzes. So they're going to get creative, I think, to find different ways to, to make up for that, you know, lack of productivity uh, in the pass rush. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that works. That got them into trouble a little bit last year. But uh, I think that they do have the athletes there uh, to, to create some pressure in other ways. And there's no question been a scheme adjustment here as we talk defensive storylines here on the Husker Online Show. Uh, last year they, they ran this quarters-based defense, and you know multiple people that Nate and I talked to from the previous staff all said that this scheme will struggle with the current personnel, and it, it did. I mean, it really struggled, and I think they've recognized that. And um, you know the biggest thing Chris Jones divulged, and I don't think he was supposed to divulge this, is they're going to play more cover three uh, but they're no longer just going to be locked on on man in, in these quarter situations. They're going to be more looking at the quarterback and, and watching the quarterback versus the man. And, you know, the, the, the scrimmage just that we saw that in, when Tommy Armstrong threw the two interceptions and the two-minute offense, that was the perfect example. You saw guys watching Tommy jump the route and get the ball. An aggressive nature of the defense that we really haven't seen especially, you know, when the ball skills of this group have been suspect at times. Well, I mean, it naturally lends itself when you let guys sit back there and rely on instincts and their playmaking ability, it's not, it's going to result in more turnovers. And I think that's the entire goal behind this. They know they have to create more turnovers, especially as a secondary. And we've seen glimpses of that this fall. Uh, and I think that that's the whole idea behind this. I mean, they have guys that are, are you know playmakers in that secondary. Chris Jones, Joshua Clute, Nate Geary, uh, and some of the young guys and coming Lamar up. Jackson. And Lamar Jackson. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. But uh, I think that they have the personnel that is going to be really effective to let guys just go out there and make plays and not be so concerned with you know being in the right spot and just matching up with their guy. And they haven't talked about a, a specific goal in terms of turnovers per game or anything like that, but that has no doubt been a point of emphasis, and Coach Stewart had talked about it. You know, they He wants those guys each and every practice during fall camp uh, to, to create a turnover, and they go back and specifically watch the film and, and, and grade those guys on how, how they did and, and watch opportunities that they missed, and, uh, and that's really, I mean, something they've really, really worked on. So uh, we'll see if it comes to fruition this weekend. And it's no coincidence guys Nebraska has not been really a championship contending team since 2009 and 2010 and that was the last time they had defenses that forced turnover I mean go back to that game in Washington Robin hmm. we're sitting there with Jake Locker and game one throw one of that game uh, Eric Haig you know jumps a seam route and you know game over and that they need that element back in this defense. Well, I mean, how many times over the years have we seen where, you know, Nebraska's given the ball away three, four times a game and not creating anything? And still can find ways to win. That's a huge disadvantage. So if they're able to at least level that out, I mean, you're talking about a dramatic shift in, you know, the outcomes of games.
You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Lots more to talk about. When we come back on the show, we're going to bring in our Husker Online intern, Matt Reynoldson, as lots of questions this week uh, in our Husker Online mailbag. We'll, we'll talk more about Lamar Jackson out of the gates here in the mailbag. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I'm very confident. Me, me and Kalu and all the guys that's in that room, the corners, you know, we're very confident in uh, Lamar. And um, I'm very excited to see that see that kid play. You know, I know what he brings to the table, so it's going to be a real good to see him play. He's going to be playing our sub stuff, so he's going to be behind the corner in our sub stuff. So he's, he's, he's going to play. Should, should, should get a lot of plays, and then special teams-wise, he's, he's on special teams. So 30 plays, probably 25, 30 plays. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and we bring in our Husker Online intern, Matt Reynoldson, as it is time to hear what you want to know in our weekly Husker Online mailbag. Season opener is here. It's as big of a recruiting weekend as we've seen at Nebraska in quite some time, Matt. And uh, lots of questions, uh, but let's get right to it. Uh, you, you heard from Lamar Jackson uh, about Lamar Jackson. That was our first, um, and that's our first question here in the mailbag. Yeah, surprising lack of trolls this week. So there were some real questions for me to get to. Uh, Brian Stewart said Lamar Jackson could see 25 to 30 snaps on defense this weekend. Is this because they plan on playing mostly nickel, or do you think we see him rotate on the base D? Well, they could even be in some dime uh, this week as well. But yeah, I think you're going to see him play in the base D and nickel. Um, and dime, I, I think, especially Robin with those injuries in the secondary, um, with, with Antonio Reed and Nathan Gary suspended, um, it, it gives them less bodies. But they see the talent in this guy, and I think they want to get him on the field. Yeah, without question. And I think uh, that allows Josh Kalou to move into nickel, and especially with Aaron Williams playing predominantly safety because of the lack of safety depth, uh, they're going to need him out there on the perimeter. And uh, with the way Fresno State is going to have a super high-tempo offense, use a lot of three- and four-wide receiver sets, a lot of defensive backs are going to be on the field. And, hey, perfect opportunity for for Lamar. Yeah, well, and Brian Stewart also mentioned the fact that that they wanted to to rotate. I think that's kind of the plan heading into the season is getting getting a lot of guys out there and, and keeping guys fresh. And I know that uh, Joshua Kalou and Chris Jones have both talked about um, you know rotating and and be, you know having a couple faces out there. And and obviously Lamar Jackson is, is going to be one of those guys. All right, let's keep the mailbag rolling here with Matt Reynoldson. Thoughts on Kyron Williams not getting a black shirt? It has to be disciplinary. I go back to a year ago, Jonathan Rose uh, didn't receive one, and he was listed as starter week one. Was Michael Rose Ivy another one, Robin? Yeah, I think so. one last year as well to start. Um, so whether it's academic or, or something, uh, there's clearly a, a disciplinary issue of some sorts, I believe, that, that kept him from getting the black shirt. And if that's the case, I'm baffled that Nate Geary got one. I mean, the dude that's suspended <laughs> gets one, and then the guy that uh, – uh, is starting at safety uh, does not get one but yeah I'm sure there's something to it Mark Banker even alluded to that saying you know he's got to do all the things right on and off the field made sure to to mention that so there's I'm sure there's reasoning behind it but uh, certainly one of the bigger surprises uh, left off that list all right let's keep the mailbag uh, rolling you're listening here to the Husker Online show uh, Sean Callahan Robin Washington Nate Klaus and our Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson uh, taking your questions this week in the mailbag Sticking with the black shirt theme, with five black shirts being given to linebackers, they obviously want to rotate guys in to keep everyone fresh. What do you think the rotation is looking like? Well, I think Marcus Newby is is a guy that's really emerged there, uh, along with Josh Banderas and 
um, and Dedrick Young to be to be a starter, and those guys are going to play a lot. Uh, but Chris Weber, I think, to me, has is, is been a guy that this staff, especially Trent Bray, has really liked, has been very high on ever since he kind of had, um, you know, kind of emerged as, as a legit player last year and, and had some just truly outstanding performances. So, um, but yeah, they've got depth there and they're going to rotate him. And, and I think Trent Bray feels good about probably about six or seven of these linebackers there. Yeah, I think that was a tough situation. I mean, in some ways, there was probably a little bit of office politics on that to, to give out the five. Uh, but all those guys really have been starters, and, and they've proven it. Uh, the one that was surprising to me, though, was Chris Weber, um, because I thought Josh Banderas is the clear number one right now at the mic. He's a captain. Um, so I was a little surprised they gave one to a second mic. Uh, not as surprised that Michael Rose Ivy got one, uh, but he barely practiced. I mean, have you guys seen Michael Rose Ivy do a thing in camp? No, it's few, um, few and far between, that's for sure. So it, it's going to be interesting what his role will be here, Robin, on Saturday. Well, and, you know, Michael Rose Ivy, obviously, he's kind of one of the vocal leaders of that defense. But, you know, Marcus Newby, as Nate mentioned, has had as good of a camp as any linebacker, in my opinion. I mean, that guy. Uh, he's night and day from where he was, you know, a year ago. I mean, he, he's really coming into form. He looks like that four-star guy they recruited coming out of high school. And, man, I think he's in for a big, big year. Yeah, I think people have said even if Rose Ivy was healthy, it yeah, would have been agree. a slam dunk that he'd win the job. Yeah, Marcus has earned it, man. He He's playing as well as I've ever seen him, and I think fans are going to be pleasantly surprised with what they see from him uh, on Saturday. All right, let's keep the mailbag moving. Moving to recruiting, are we going to land five-star wide receivers Joseph Lewis and Donovan Peoples-Jones? Are they going to? Boy, I, I think there's a, a good chance you get one of those guys. Uh, it would be unbelievable to see Nebraska land both those guys, but the fact of the matter is, is that Nebraska is getting these guys on campus, so they're going to have a shot. And, and anytime you get an, an official visit out of out of a guy, you're going to be there until the very end. And Joseph Lewis, in particular, he's going to be a guy who's visited three times now. He's, he's been on campus twice, an unofficial visitor, and he's going to be coming in for the Oregon game. But hey, hats off to Keith Williams uh, for the his ability to to bring guys and bring talent on campus when you're talking about all the five-star prospects and, and top 100, top 250 type of players that are, that are coming in. And we'll talk more about this with Nate in the recruiting segment next, but seven uh, of seven Rivals 100 players, three five-star total guys will be here, Nate. And I think fans need to, to take a few steps back because Sunday, let's just say Nebraska wins this game, it's a great weekend. I think a lot of people just expect immediate return, immediate commits. But when you're recruiting, Nate, this higher grade of athlete, higher grade of recruit, these guys don't typically commit on a weekend very rarely. No, they, these guys aren't going to make snap decisions, and especially since this is the first official visit weekend uh, or first weekend they can take any trip whatsoever uh, officially. So th most of these guys are so highly touted and highly recruited. They're, they're planning on taking at least a couple trips. Uh, now, there are some return visits uh, with some of these guys. They've been here before, but uh, for especially for the majority of the guys who this is the first time they've ever been to Lincoln, I wouldn't expect a commitment but hey you never know what what could happen once you get a kid on campus and especially since the majority of these guys are coming with their parents yeah that, that is the new rule this will be the first weekend parents can be paid for so no doubt that's going to make a difference digging a little deeper into the mailbag btn across the board seems very low on the huskers both this weekend and for the season what gives with that Wow, it's, it's really surprising uh, because usually the Big Ten Network is about as glass half full as it gets, but their glass has not only been half empty, it's been pretty empty on Nebraska. Um, their expectations for this 2016 team, 
are about as low Robin as I've ever seen from the the Nardo Howard Griffin uh, crew. And we talked a little bit about this last week, but it is a little surprising, especially when you look at the home schedule for Nebraska. Um, the fact they're in the Big Ten West, that their draw on the East is somewhat favorable other than Ohio State. Um, it is a surprising uh, projection. Well, especially when you compare the reviews they gave last year. I mean, it was, seemed like everything was all sunshine coming out of BTN about how talented Nebraska was, how deep they were at the skill positions. And when you have the majority of those guys coming back, you know, what changed? Well, I think they're probably looking more at what wins in the Big Ten. And Nebraska's biggest weaknesses are defensive line depth and, you know, probably, you know, running game, consistent running game. So uh, that that probably is why, you know, they're they're low on them this year when you add in the fact that they do have a difficult conference schedule on the road. Uh, and they right now uh, haven't prone, proven that they have the uh, makeup to, to win in that situation. Well, and let's face it, Nebraska's burnt these guys how many years in a row? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and how Griffith even talked about it. He said, you know what, I like Nebraska, but you know what, every time I've picked to them, they've ended up burning me. And uh, <laughs> and so I think they're they're going ahead and, and make Nebraska prove it before kind of giving them, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt. All right, well, that wraps it up for this week's Mailbag. Matt, great to see you. Looking forward to seeing you in the press box for your first game with us on Saturday. Yeah, looking forward to it. Great view up there. All right, when we come back, we will close the show with recruiting. It's arguably the biggest recruiting weekend Nebraska's ever had, and we'll get Nate Klaus's thoughts on on that next here you're listening to the husker online show you're listening to huskeronline.com your authority on nebraska athletics final segment here of the husker online show sean callahan and nate klaus as we are going to get you geared up for saturday's fresno state game but most importantly this will be as big of a recruiting weekend as we've ever seen at nebraska as far as pure just star power um, coming into Lincoln. There will be 11 official visitors overall. Nine of the 11 are Rivals.com four- and five-star recruits. There will be three five-stars, seven people that are in the Rivals 100. Nate Klaus, it doesn't get much better than that, my friend. No, it really doesn't. It, this is something that we've never seen before, at least not in the, the modern Rivals.com era where we, we've been able to track official visits and, and, and things of that nature, dating all the way back to 2001, um, you know, for that class of 2002. Frank Solich actually had five five stars on campus that that year, uh, but never three in one game, and 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 we've never seen three five star prospects on campus for one game. Um, you know, Bill Callahan in in that 2005 class and 2006 class had three prospects um, of five star status visit in both of those years, but again, never three in in one weekend. So Mike Riley and his staff are definitely doing uh, kind of kind of breaking new ground here and it's pretty exciting to see well and, and let's put it into perspective on five stars rivals.com really nate only puts out 25 to 30 a year there are a lot of services that might do 50 or more five stars so in our rankings and our definition i mean this is pretty special because uh, there just aren't a lot of Rivals.com five-star prospects, period. No, it's it's usually between 20 to 30 five-stars in any given class. Sometimes it's a little less. Sometimes it's a little bit more. But for the most part, I think it, it kind of mirrors the, the NFL and the, their first-round draft, first draft type guys is usually how how uh, how Rivals tabs their five-stars. So uh, this, is, this is extremely impressive. And there's no question that the five-stars that are coming in with Darnay Holmes, Foster Sorrell and, and uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Those guys look like potential NFL draft picks right now already. So uh, it's, it's pretty it's pretty fun to see. 
I mean, what goes into it, Nate, as we talk recruiting, just the legwork to get this together, because it is the first game of the year. There's not another recruiting weekend really in college football that's going to match up to this. Uh, why week one and, and what goes into this type of weekend for Nebraska? Well, I think the the big thing here is the fact that it's a night game. It's a holiday weekend. <clears throat> so this staff uh, wanted to – it was going to be easy to get guys from all across the country into town this weekend and, and really kind of maximize their 48 hours that they could have on campus uh, uh, more so than they could on, on a weekend, let's say, the, the Oregon game since that's a 2.30 kick. Guys probably wouldn't be able to get here in, in into Lincoln until you know right up right around kickoff, and then would probably turn around and, and take off Sunday morning, Sunday uh, early Sunday afternoon to head back home. So they only get 24 hours or less on campus. But um, you know, I think when you look at the players that are coming in, all of these guys have established great relationships with the coaching staff. Foster Sorrell, the the number one offensive tackle in the country, the number three overall player in the country, is a kid. Mike Cavanaugh himself has been recruiting since he was a freshman in high school, dating back to, to Mike Cavanaugh's time at Oregon State. So they've invested a ton of time uh, in recruiting a lot of these guys. Obviously, Darnay Holmes is a kid that's been on campus several times already, um, and along with his his uh, teammates, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. and Tristan Jebbia, who are both coming in as well. So, uh, But I think the, the big thing and the reason why we're seeing this be such a big weekend is just the, the timing and the amount of time that the staff will be able to spend with these guys compared to other game weekend visits. And the other X factor as we talk recruiting with Nate Klaus here on the Husker Online Show is Nebraska will be able to bring in their parents as well. It's part of the new NCAA rule uh, that allow parents to be paid for as far as flights go. And, and that that's the first time this ever happened will be this weekend. Uh, could that be an X factor, Nate? And are most of these guys bringing at least one of their parents with them? Yeah, there's no question. That's going to be an X factor. It's going to be something that that really benefits Nebraska. Maybe the first NCAA rule recruiting wise that has actually benefited <laughs> Nebraska in quite a while, uh, because there's no question Nebraska has the probably the 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 most impressive academic support and life skills programs in the nation and actually I don't know if there is another school out there that that has the type of life skills program that Nebraska has and uh you know Dennis LeBlanc and Keith Zimmer are are two of the best in the entire country I don't know if there's anyone else that really compares with those guys and from my experience is when all things are equal and you have a parent on campus and you are able to get those parents in front of Keith Zimmer and, and Dennis LeBlanc, sometimes that's what sways the parents your way if you're Nebraska. And uh, and now that they're able to pay for the travel expenses, tr pay for the, the lodging expenses of those parents to come, um, that's that's going to be a huge deal and, and something that the staff has really stressed. They wanted pretty much every kid to, to bring at least one parent with them this weekend. And for the most part um, – all those prospects are going to have at least one parent uh, with them this weekend. So that's uh, that's something that I think it really kind of gives Nebraska a little bit of an edge because if those parents go on those other visits, they're going to see the big difference in, in support. And that's what parents look for. They want to know, how my son going to be taken care of? What what are the what are the academic requirements? How are they going to help him uh, manage his time? And how are they going to help prepare him for life after football? And, you know, Nate, I think the other thing that will be interesting as this year goes on, a lot of parents are going to want to take trips now, too. And because the trips can be paid for, uh, mom or dad's going to be like, well, let's just take visits now because, <laughs> I mean, they get a free trip out of this, too. And I, I really think that's going to be something that plays in this year uh, because a lot of these parents will get the experience the kids get and it's going to all be paid for. 
Yeah, that's that, well. It's they want to take advantage of the process too, and and I think if if uh, I mean, let's look, let's face it, this is a monster decision for any any kid to make, and and for any family to make where their where their son is going to go to school for the next four or five years, and um, and now that the parents, you know, the the burden has been kind of taken off them um, for them to to be able to travel and go on these visits. I think we're going to see more kids and more parents uh, take advantage of that. Okay, Nate, as we look at this list, um, there's going to be 11 overall. Three of the 11 are already committed to Nebraska. Tristan Jebbia, Keyshawn Johnson Jr., Avery Roberts. So there will be eight recruitable prospects on campus. Give me a good batting average on this group. If you were to say what percentage Nebraska could get, what would be a good percentage to shoot for? Because you're not going to get all eight of these guys. Uh, but what would, what would be a, a number that would meet your expectation level? You know, I think it, maybe if, if you're going to set an over-under eventually uh, of those eight to, to commit, I think I think the line would probably be set at two and a half. I, I think that's a, a good line, um, you know, and, and that's fair. I think you can make a case that Nebraska could get two to three of, of those eight kids are, that aren't committed already. Um and, but it's going to take it's going to take a good visit, obviously, this weekend. It's going to take um, some winning on the field too, because these are big time prospects. They want to go to a program that's that's going to contend for championships, and and I think I think they all will probably want to see Nebraska take that next step forward. So, um, and and we touched on it before that uh, these are highly touted prospects. They're going to take a number of visits. So I wouldn't expect there to be a flurry of commitments right after the Fresno State game. But but definitely, um, you know, there's a handful of guys, Jameer Calvin, uh, Damian Daniels. Uh, both those players are, are guys that I think Nebraska leads for and, and will end up getting eventually. And then you have some, some wild card guys, obviously uh, Darnay Holmes, a five-star cornerback, Donovan Peoples-Jones, the five-star wide receiver, Foster Sorrell, a five-star offensive of Lyman, um, you know, and, and then uh, Thomas Graham and Jalen Red, the two rivals 100 cornerbacks out of Rancho Cucamonga, California. All those guys are, are fairly high on Nebraska, and, and they could uh, easily, I could easily see them ending up in Lincoln. As we wrap it up briefly, Nate, I think the challenge for Nebraska will be to get these recruits to remember the trip in December, January, and February. And, and that's the gamble you take when you go all in week one. When guys can go on trips, will they remember you when it matters in December, January, and February? Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's kind of a roll of the dice on, on timing. When when to bring in a kid uh, for an official visit? Do you want to be one of the last guys to bring him bring a kid in, or do you want to be the first that's to set the bar? Well, Nebraska's not taking any chances with these highly recruited guys. If they had an opportunity to bring them in, they're bringing them in, and and, and their goal is to set the bar. And, and after this visit, it's just going to take uh, kind of a consistency, a relentless effort to remind them how how they're how they felt on that official visit all the way up to the time they make their decision well it's going to be a busy weekend on husker online uh, make sure you are on the site on game day saturday nate and the staff will have full photo galleries posted of the recruits um probably around by halftime on saturday those pictures will be up so you can get a good glimpse of all these recruits on campus uh, then we'll have complete post-game coverage and coverage of the recruit reaction on sunday and monday so lots to log on to husker online about as we get ready for this season opener against fresno state thanks again for joining us this week on husker online your authority on nebraska athletics 